always great to be here. You know, always look forward to it. And um, coming here a number of times this year, and as Pastor Terry said, I've been here uh, for a number of years, okay? Actually, I was much better looking when I started preaching here. I've been preaching so long, a few more years, I'm gonna get a pension from Cornerstone. Uh, 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 I'm looking for that check in the mail in a few years, Terry. Just get that thing ready, okay? Pastor Terry is very kind in calling me unique. The better word is odd. Uh, I think that is why I'm so comfortable here, because I'm the company of odd people. And uh, 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 because, you know, I could be myself. That's very, very important. You be yourself in Jesus Christ. You be comfortable in the skin and the journey that you, you give. There's a bit of wisdom I can give. If, if you can be there in Jesus, and to, to understand your skin and your journey and to be comfortable and understand your life because you're not going to be anybody else but who you are. But you see the grace of God come in. Now, in this journey, it's, for me, it's, 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 been, it's been decades, okay? I've got a few more decades uh, to go. But in my life, there's always been decisions that I've made. And that's not every day, it's not every month, it's not even every year, but every few years is a decision you make that has a large impact. Sometimes they work very well, sometimes the decisions that you regret. Now, if I asked a question to you, and this is an answer you just answer in your brain, is there a decision in your life, in your past, that you've regretted? Okay, I'm sure you all have one, you know, and if you're not, you're in denial, you know, and that's okay, you know. <laughs> That's okay. Jesus loves people in denial also, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, some people, you have regret. Some of you might have regret that you're still paying for. And paying, I'm not talking about, you know, actually paying literally money. But there's emotional pain and a tie that's connected to that bad decision. Some of it might be tied to a health decision you made. You, you, you began to do something to, to your body or something that, you, that, that, that you've regretted and then you're beginning to, to, to make the, to come out of it, but, but, but you're paying for it, you see? Some of it is a relationship that you're paying for. If they ask you another question, if there's something that you, if God said, I give you one request and that's a do-over in your life, of course we would all have a do-over. Now, all of us fit in that category. Uh, this message is not about our past because we have the grace of Jesus Christ and all things are new and we have a forgiveness in the cross and that's uh, the, at the basis of our faith is, the, is, is, is Jesus and, and the forgiveness that, that he offers us. But this is a great summer theme and it's about, as it says, wisdom for living and it's not really about the past but it's coming out of our past to apply it to the present and to live to the future so that we can begin to make decisions that are spiritually healthier and more vibrant for us. That is very, very important because we don't want to be trapped in repetitive, a bad decision-making. Sometimes it's decisions about yourself, things that you've regret not having done for yourself that has nothing to do with any situation or anyone. It's just something I've squandered my time. What should we do? We all have something that we've squandered our time with. What do, should we become? What do we need to do? And so this uh, theme for the summer is a great theme, wisdom for living. I pray that you would be blessed by the teaching of his word. 
Now, we have a lot of passages. I've gone crazy uh, in terms of the number of passages. I, I, I promise God I will never use this many passages again in my life in a sermon. In your brute program, you think this is a lot. This is actually not all of it, okay? We're going to go to the book of 1 Kings. I teach Old Testament in, in seminary, as uh, Pastor Terry uh, mentioned. And the reason why I went to 1 Kings is we're going to see the, a little uh, vignette of a, of a person named Solomon who was a king of Israel and who is understood and described in the Bible as the wisest leader who ever lived. Of course, we know that Jesus is wiser. But as a human being, uh, a second to Jesus, this guy's the wisest. And this is an interesting story about how he got to be that way. And then also the first case that was brought before him. And in this, we will begin to get some wisdom, and then we'll look in some other passages to, to uh, round it out. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 to 11. I'm going to skip some verses too. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said, ask what you wish me to give you. What a deal. If God would ever say that to you, what would it be? You know, oh boy. You know, I, was, uh, I, was, I would use the, 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 the famous, you know, I ask, my, the wish I want is three more wishes. And then every time I got to the third one, it's three more. So it's just eternal, but God already heard that. Jeff, I, take, I rescind my offer to you. I don't do that type of trickery, okay? So verse six, then Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father. David is the great king of Israel, okay? And Solomon and the son. According as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you, and you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne, son being Solomon, as it is this day. I'm going to skip to verse 9. This is what he asks. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Wisdom. But not just the right thing to do in order so that you wind up on top. It's to see, to understand the right thing to do with the God twist in it. And the God twist always involves a moral understanding. You're going to see that, that what wisdom is for a person living in the United States is doing that which benefits yourself, the one that gets you the, the, the best-looking guy, the one who gets you the most money. That's, but the wisdom in God is making the right decision. And I'm not saying you don't get any, the benefits, but there's always a moral twist in it. And that's very, very important to know. Because the wisdom for God is not just about yourself and what you're getting. So he asks that I may discern between good and evil. Now, verse 10 is the response by God, and this is a great response. It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon was asked such a thing. Now, I, I've studied all the prayers. Okay, sometimes God says, yeah, that's a silly prayer, man. I'm not going to answer that. This one's very unique. Verse 11, God said to him, because you asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, which we ask for, nor have asked riches for yourself, we probably would have asked for riches before long life, okay? <laughs> nor have asked 
for the life of your enemies. The old may the piano fall on my, my ex-friend's head prayer, okay? Because you've not used that card. But I've asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Oh, that's a very interesting thing. And justice in the eyes of God is not making just the right decisions that are critical in front of people, but justice has this unique moral twist in it, in Christ. God loved this prayer. God would love if you have this prayer. First thing in application, it's not in the slides or anything, is to say, look, you know, for me to have wisdom for living, first I must, and this is hard, to say the wisdom is not for me to get ahead. You might get ahead, but ultimately the wisdom is that I can see and make decisions from the perspective of God, and that always has a moral twist to it. This is what you need to do. Because if you don't agree to this very first a sort of a, a, a changing of the perspective of what life is and life action is, I can give you all the tips for living, and it will make not a difference in the sight of Christ for you. Because the wisdom is not getting just simply ahead in life. There's a moral twist in it, in Christ. So the first vignette, or the narrative, or the first test comes upon Solomon. He has asked God. God is very pleased with this prayer. And so in the same chapter, we have this very famous story, and some of you may know it if you were raised in the church. Some of you will be uh, new to it. Some of you will be aghast. They're like, whoa, what in the world's going on here, you know? But in 1 Kings 3, 16 to 28, and I'll read the verse 20. It's a very long passage. We've got to read the whole thing. Then two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. Well, harlot's an old-timey word, okay? You've got to figure out what that is. The one said... Oh, Lord, this woman, I live in the same house, and I give birth to a child while she was in the house. One just had a son, new birth. It happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child three days apart. Now, you can't really tell the difference, you know, three days, one day. I mean, you know, they're very young looking, you know? They're small, you know? There was no stranger with us in the house, only two of us in the house. There were no witnesses. The son's, woman's son died in the night because she lay on it. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept and laid him on her bosom and laid her dead son in my bosom. This is really disturbing because you have an accusation that it's not just, you know, like these, sometimes you read people, they, they steal a baby from a hospital or something, okay? They replace it with a dead baby. Oh, man, uh, this is, this, you're talking about very, something's not right here, 
Okay, something's not right. Verse 21, when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son, whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, for the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, no, for the dead one is your son. The living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. Now, in modern times, this could never happen. Okay, I'll just tell you, right. I see enough television. NCIS, CSI Miami, CSI LA, CSI. There's going to be a CIS San Francisco or something like that, you know, a uh, 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 CIS Daily City, you know, there's just so many of those. People love those. And it's very easy. Let's do some DNA test, you know? Squab the mouth, you know, get a little blood or something, match it up. Oh, wow, we easily tell who uh, the mother is on that. This is before DNA testing. It wouldn't happen today. They would have some surveillance video. You know, and I'm able to, there's surveillance videos all over. You know, we live in a society where we just, you know, the, the, the governments are, are just really scared of, of things. You know, it, there was probably some Walmart video of this one of the mothers carrying the baby. You know, says, oh, wow, we, we, we saw it on Walmart, you know? And then these, these private uh, 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 nerd snoops would just publish on Reddit or YouTube all this theory about what happened. And then some, some nerd genius would have figured it out. You see this one? It has five strands up here. In this picture, there's only one strand up here. Aha! It's a cover-up! <laughs> and then there's all the Twitter. It wouldn't have happened today because you know that on the first day, they would have taken selfies of the mother with the baby, posted it up, would, 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 have, would, have, would have sent it out to a thousand friends. Everyone would have known, but it is, alas, it is not modern times. You got your old-fashioned there's no one there. Same place, same time. Circumstantial evidence is exactly the same. Character is exactly the same. But what appears to be equal cannot be more different in detail. And this um, is the setting. What would you do? Solomon does this. Verse 23, then the king said, the one says, this is my son who is living, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, for your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. The king said, get me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. The king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one uh, and, and, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son and said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. Now, there's going to be a slide that comes in for the first point of this. 
For in wisdom, and there'll be three points in this message. The first point is wisdom looks beyond words. And this is very, very important because he's saying that it seems like from the words itself, from the passion, from the plea, from the tears, you could not tell which is right and which is wrong. But this is vastly important that you make the right decision. So at these critical times, you look beyond the words, for wisdom looks for a compassionate heart rather than a win-at-all-costs attitude. Now, we could kind of separate these points, and it's kind of important. The first point is you've got to look, oftentimes, in very, very important decisions, look beyond the words. Sometimes people's words are very honest and really reflect the heart of an individual. I will tell you that there is a good percentage of people who what they say is a con job. <laughs> and part of wisdom is when you meet the person whose words are a con job, run away. <laughs> and have the wisdom to say, you know what? You are cheating me. It is not the words because I'm looking deeper at the heart of you and the situation. Very, very important. Very, very important that you understand that. It's not always, but every few years, someone will appear in your life. And by this power of the Spirit of God, you'd say, you know what? This is, this, is, this, is, this is not right. Look deeper. When you are in long-term relationships or jobs and peer things appear to be equal, sometimes they are exactly equal. But sometimes it's a con. You don't want to make the mistake. But it's more than just looking beyond the words. If you bring up the, that first uh, slide again, it is having the compassionate heart rather than the win-at-all-cost attitude. That is tied to this story, but it's also viewed as a second sort of application to this. You know, I'll give you, I'll give you a story. I tried to cut some time off of some of the reading of scriptures, so I give you a story of application. When I do premarital counseling, I, I, I usually have this uh, time where I say, oh, uh, have you ever had a fight before? And, you know, usually, they do it, disagreement. It's, 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 it's natural. It's not that they had a fight and like, oh, oh, I gotta pray about you, you know? It's no, 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 it's, it's natural. The second question I always ask, and it's very, uh, it's very casual, not very uh, intimidating. I ask, well, what do they usually do to resolve the fight or the disagreement? Because to me, that's the tell. There are some people who just say, you know what? I get quiet, I take a walk, and I forget about it. That's acceptable to me. That's basically passive-aggressive. Okay, that's okay, that's okay. Okay, that's okay, that's all, you know what? That's okay with me, you know? Because I'm odd, okay? Then there's some people that says, you know what, we talk about it, we resolve it. That's very okay with me. That's the better one. And then you got the ones where the people says, you know what, the person gets very abusive because they have to win at all costs. And life is murderous when we have arguments. In some way, it's not related to 1 Kings 3, 16 to 20, 
but in a corollary, it is. Because what it is is the person without the heart of compassion who has the win at all. If I can't my, get my way, well, sure enough, you aren't going to get it. It might destroy me, but I'm going to take you down with me. And it could be a man or it could be a woman. It could be someone you employ. It could be a friend that you thought. You don't want that because they don't really care about you. You think that other woman really cares about the child? She's more into it. If my child dies, your child dies. Very important first principle. There's a second principle and a third principle. They get a little shorter each time. The next second and third principles are found in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs are, they have a, a source. Its beginnings were from Solomon. Some of them were written by Solomon. Some of them were accumulated by Solomon. Others were written by sort of like followers of Solomon, the philosophy of Solomon. So this wisdom uh, continues in this really important book of Proverbs. And it's a very, very popular book, okay? Now the next theme we're going to talk about is relationships. It's not about a, a two people coming before you with completely uh, different stories with no evidence and you have to decide because making the wrong decision would be toxic to you. It's about actually you having the ability to make a decision, a choice in relationship. It could be beyond relationships, into jobs, but the context is relationships. The book of Proverbs is written from the perspective of a man. It is to train up a son because it was about raising a son to be king. Understand, because of that, it's written from a male perspective, but easily it could be viewed from a woman's perspective as well. So do not be, uh, uh, you, know, you know, the words are, are the words. I just got to tell you how it was written. So the first passage in the Proverbs, it's going to be from Proverbs 7, 10 to 15. And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot. Again, that's an old-time word. You know, you want a modern term, let's change it to floozy, okay? Uh, now you all know what that means, you know? If you're really, you know, from the hood, it's the playa, you know, with the H at the end, you know? Uh, cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. There's a wild side about her. Well, it's not very attractive these days, you know? Very attractive. I was just joking. She might have a tattoo, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, tattoo. You know, I, you know, I always think about her having a tattoo, you know? You know, as a butterfly or something, you know, something not very offensive, you know? You might have a tattoo. Wow. The wild side woman. Whoa. Oh, man. That's exciting, isn't it? I'm getting, I'm getting hot and perspiring, just reading Proverbs 7, you know? She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him, proactive, not afraid to show compassion. I find that attractive. That's a nice thing. It only happens in your dreams, you know? 
But this woman comes proactive, wearing a tattoo. <laughs> and with a brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today, I have paid my vows. A religious church-going woman. <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> what more? I mean, you know, you might have had your doubts. But she's a religious church-going woman with the tattoo, not afraid to show affection. Therefore, I have paid my vows. Therefore, I have come out to meet you. I think it is the will of God to seek your presence earnestly. And I have found you. Wow. Who needs e-harmony? <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is, this, this is, and you know, it's from the man's perspective. It could be the woman's perspective, the gigolo, the player, you know, and all this. And you just got to understand it, you know. Easily transposable uh, here, the genders here. You know, I'll tell you, uh, there's a bunch of people who are younger here that um, come to San Francisco. It's an exciting place. So I can think of all the places in the United States to be an exciting place for, for, for people because it's a very free place to explore, great nightlife. It's a wonderful city. It's a, one of the great cities in the world. Uh, but there's a danger as well for you have to make the right decisions for that which is what is enticing for you to come here may offer you relationships that will be the most detrimental to your well-being. It's very, very important that I say this. It's very hard to navigate in reading people. Let's look at the last passage of Proverbs chapter 31. It's the last chapter. And again, it's written from a, the man's perspective, easily transposed to the woman's perspective. An excellent wife who can find her worth is far above jewels. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in the light. Diligent, she's happy. She is like a merchant ship and brings her food from afar. Whole food shopper. <laughs> she rises also while it is still night. Early riser. And gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She is very fair and caring for the people who are under her employment. She considers a field and buys it. She's a great real estate person, investor. She probably bought in San Francisco when it was low, living off the rent you are paying her at this time. And for her earning, she plants a vineyard. She's in Sonoma as well. And if she's not developing the two-buck chuck, she's probably making some good-tasting, award-winning wine. She extends her hand to the poor. And I love that. And stretches out her hands to the needy. I love this. I love this. Because this person that is the excellent spouse can multitask, is very, very competent 
but is also very compassionate to the poor. Let's bring up the principle. Principle number two. In wisdom, it looks beyond the passion of the moment, the impulse, that which is exciting. For wisdom looks for care and competency, which beats passion 10 out of 10 times. I'll tell you, which one is more raises the hormones of a person? The one in Proverbs 7. And just be honest with you. I'm going to be very, very honest. This is why it takes sometimes in wisdom, looking beyond the passion of the moment, in the Solomon one, to look beyond the words of the moment and to look deeper into the person. You know, sometimes attraction is not always what it is meant, uh, the value is in, uh, meant to be. We want to, when you make certain decisions, and this is mostly about relationships and situations that may, could, could cause your health to deteriorate. It could be, it could be uh, other things that you, you take. You know, I'll tell you, passion and craving is a very strong thing extremely strong. Part of wisdom is learning how to say, you know what? I just got to say no. Part of wisdom is that ability to discern and to say no to something that will destroy you and is no good for you. The third passage. And the final point is very quick. It's in Proverbs 12, 10. It's one of my favorite passages. I'm gonna, I don't think I'm going to have it tattooed on my arm, actually. <laughs> actually, you know, I, I joke around with my, my wife. I, I want a tattoo. The only reason is I have an autoimmune disorder like lupus, and it makes that any tattoo, I have a, like a 100% chance greater uh, uh, possibility that I have an allergic reaction to the ink. You know, it's all blowed up, you know. I got the tattoo, but, but who wants to look at it? It's all bloated up, you know. It's like, ah, forget the tattoo. Not worth it for me, you know. It's got a wisdom for me, you know. <laughs> a righteous man has regard for the life of his animal. It's very deeply written here because life is actually the Hebrew word for soul. I'm not thinking that animals have soul. Soul could be a generic term for just life, okay? But it's actually a deep understanding. Has a soul for his, his animal. Livestock is a word for... for it, you're not talking about a pep, puppy dog, okay? Or a little cat or a hamster or something like that, or a goldfish. You're talking about livestock. Commodities. That this righteous man has regard for the life of animals that are his commodities. You ever drive I-5 and you drive around Kalinga? If you've driven it, you know what I'm talking about. You come to Cow City with all the beauty of the cow and all the, the odor of the cow. You know, even if you don't know Kalinga, you'd say, you wake up from your nap and say, we're in Kalinga, aren't we? <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay. I'll tell you what, the righteous man has regard for all those animals. I drive Kalinga, I'm sorry for them, they all penned up. You know? It's not hot, you know? I can't take the smell. Well, how do they take the smell, you know? He regards, but then it says, but even the compassion of the wicked is cruel. 
Now, this is not really in the context of you making judgments about situations or people or relationship with jobs. It's really about what a righteous person is in wisdom, what you need to be. It's not about decision, it's what you need to be. And this is talking about compassion in the broader sense. I'm gonna bring up the third slide, or the next slide, number three. Wisdom looks beyond success, the livestock, the commodity, because success in the eyes of God is compassion for the forgotten. This is very, very important. If, if you notice, all three passages had a, a, a twist of compassion in it. As I said at the beginning, you know, you will get wisdom in what to do, but wisdom in Christ and in God has a moral twist in it. And the moral twist is compassion. The one who was the true mother in 1 Kings was the one who was able to give up the life of her son so that the son may live. It's very, very crazy. Very crazy. In Proverbs 31, we talked about the virtuous spouse. I added that one in 20. She extends her hands to the needy. She's proactive for the poor. There's a bit of compassion. One, one is, it's, it's natural to have compassion for your own flesh and blood. To have compassion to poor stranger, that's another thing. Now you get to Proverbs 12. Do I have compassion for livestock? You've got to be kidding. Ah, but I told you, wisdom in God is, is, is slightly different than wisdom in this world. Wisdom in this world is making the right decision for you. Who cares about morality as long as I, I, I wind up on top? Wisdom in the sight of God is different. It has the moral kicker in it. You seek justice. When you make decisions, you will make it for people because people deserve justice. When you find a relationship that you can decide to be in it, you look for someone who is stable. You look someone who is, who is, 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 who is, is caring, who is able. But in all of them, if you could see wisdom from the perspective of God, one of the things that will overarch all the principles, the heart of compassion, you must see people that way and look for it and prize it. And you must look at compassion as a way of life for a person, not for the moment to fool you as a photo op. What do I need to do? What would God want me to do? Let me just summarize. Some of you have to go beyond words and not be fooled by words and look deeper. But she says she loves me, but it just she doesn't do it. But she says it. He says he loves me. Then why does he why does he mistreat you? You must look beyond the words. For some of you, you must flee. It's not good for you. Man. 
And you must ask God for the moral strength and the boldness and the determination to flee. And it's not only relational. It could be chemical. It could be alcohol. Some of you need to be compassion, man. I'll take a compassionate person 10 out of 10 times because true compassion ultimately shows the heart of God and what Jesus is all about. Allow me the grace and the honor to pray for you. After the prayer, we have the receiving of offerings and a final song. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I give thanks for this time. People, we make decisions all the time. And though there were no real specifics in this message, there were some very important principles. If there are people that need to flee, we'll allow them to see this and to flee. If others are trapped in a toxic environment, allow them to see it that it is toxic, to look beyond the words. For others, it is not to be fooled by the external. For others, it is to be a person, but to be a person in the light of Jesus Christ, which is not just to make decisions to win, but to change us from the inside out and to have a transformational moral twist in us so that we are like you. I ask this blessing and prayer for these my friends at Cornerstone. I pray this in Jesus' name.